the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 21 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is working to find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast. We break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight, as I'm recording late Thursday night, Las Vegas, West Coast Pacific time, because it is uh, Pacific time, because it's specifically going down here in the apex in Las Vegas. That is UFC Vegas 21, UFC Fight Night 187 on the motherfucking UFC Fight Night Edwards vs. Muhammad. Uh, of course, as per usual on these breakdown shows, check the timestamps for when that breakdown starts from top to bottom, as I will always recap the picks and plays at the very end for those who want to hear less of me. I don't blame you. And until then, we will have some quick shouts, quick read-throughs, and a quick recap of UFC 259. I will try not to beat or belabor any of the points that everybody else has, but there are those who wanted my opinion and uh, about certain controversial things. And as per usual... Win, lose, draw, or weird, and everything in between, which has been 2021's gambling lately for mostly us all, if we're being honest, right? Uh, we will answer for it. We will atone for Thank you, sir. May I have another? No, not in a weird way, but you know what I mean. We'll, we'll, we'll recap it quickly here. Um, yeah, thank you for liking the audio version of this video on YouTube. Please help me there with a subscription if you haven't already. Daniel Tom MMA and uh, you know the five star ratings and reviews on the Apple Podcasts. I'll be getting to the Spotify soon. I just it's been crazy. You know the story with me. You know the story with life. You know the story with the UFC schedule and all the precious time it allows to decompress, get excited for, digest, and you know life itself. Actually, none, none, neither here, nay, nay, none, nor there. So I dropped my pen. Um, so we're going to get on with it as we should. So maybe I can get on with whatever else comes our way. I'm sorry. <laughs> Making fun of my own fucking intro now. We went two, seven and eight overall. Wow. Uh, and two and two in picks. And I, I dare say, I don't know if I broke even because, you know, one of those was a controversial cash, which we'll get to. Um, which what, what wasn't controversial. Uh, except for maybe some 10-8 scorecards, was Jan Blakovich defeating Israel Adesanya. Um, yeah, uh, Polish power, baby. I feel like I got scared of this off as the week went for a reason. Um, but uh, I do feel bad because quite a few of the listeners were big on Adesanya. Um, I did talk a couple of people that were looking to the unders, but as you know, I, maybe it's because I myself have been burned by overs or unders, and because unders have not been friendly in 2021, which I wait to play unders of 2021, which I'm an anti-under guy. Um, I'm usually an over guy. And uh, sure enough, man, I think that's why betters are getting burned too, because generally, 
not to stereotype or paint with the paintbrush, but generally MMA betters love strikers and they love unders because those things too are coincidental. It's striking is very palatable for the common eye, no matter what your level of interest or intrigue or intellect or any of those things. Anyone can appreciate some striking, nothing wrong with that. And of course, if you are a striker, it's going to be knockouts and unders. So that's kind of the betting trends, right? Um, and usually I'm contrarian Dan, Tom playing against it. And uh, this would be the year to actually do that because it's more, way more overs are hitting. You're losing money if you're playing unders. That was the case here in the main event. However, even though the gun in my head said stay away from the under, go to a side and money line. Well, my side, of course, officially was Israel Adesanya because I thought the leg kicks were going to be fine. And even though there's a lot of examples in this card, I feel, and especially as of late, where my analysis has been on point. But whether it's the judges overcorrecting the steering wheel, like, uh, you know, Vieira uh, Kunitskaya, which doesn't sound like spilt milk. Actually, it's more apropos from the fight that I cannot cite from last week until the 10-8 in this fight for Blockwich Adesanya in round Five especially, because um, unfortunately I haven't had time to go back and rewatch all the cool stuff that I've been seeing people do. I would love to do myself, but again, the UFC schedule makes me turn the page. Um, but, you know, I know, like, for example, Vieta didn't strike against Kuniskai, and I obviously admitted that, that that definitely didn't help her case. However, you know, ground control, multiple submissions, multiple passes, uh, multiple attempts to finish the fight, um, whereas Block, which, you know, Adesanya, because it was arguably 2-2 in a lot of people's cards, um, including mine, because uh, I gave Blockwich 2-4, two, two for the more impactful strikes, and ever so slightly edging with Adesanya for 1-3. Um, Blockwich literally got it at 30, 231, uh, halfway point of the fifth round after getting pieced up by Adesanya, who was striking with his most urgency given it was the fifth round. So... And then Blockwitch did pass from half guard. Maybe two passes, right? Maybe the full guard to half guard, unless he landed in half guard. And then he obviously got the half guard from um, to full mount. And uh, landed strikes, heavy strikes at the end, but didn't cut him open or, you know. Yeah, I mean, if there's a, more, a minute more in the round, then I'm sure he can maybe produce a finish, but like. You know, it didn't look like he was like insanely rocked because Adesanya was playing very conservative, and conservative in such a way with like overhooks and like uh, wrapping around the head with like you know kind of like Irish collar variations that are just really classic. I'm learning jujitsu. I'm striker. I'm gonna try to show to be more technical than I am, but really I'm just playing conservative, not giving you anything. It's a terrible sign. People were saying it was a terrible sign because he didn't go to an underhook getup, which is technically true, and I totally get your sentiment. Um, However, people were saying, oh, he doesn't know what an underhook... No, no. It's bad that he didn't go there. Um, There's no way that Israel Adesanya does not know what a fucking underhook getup is. He does. Um, uh, He's done it in variations in past fights. Um, But against someone so big... When you start to feel that, like, uh, I know Joe Rogan always talks about the breathing and the, he's gassing narrative, but there was a bit of that. You could see that, and we've we've all been there, man. If you grappled, you've been there, or you grappled and haven't grappled for a while, and you're out of shape, and you got to get back in shape. Like, your boy here knows all about. Yeah, like, you get almost that panic breathing. You've got to, like, calm yourself, and you almost could see out of sign you're doing that, which tells me he knew the underhook get up. He just didn't want you know 
maybe he was worried about the guillotine and Dar's counters, or he's good at defending that. But if he doesn't get up or has to defend a submission, he's in a scramble and gives up a worse position, and you almost freeze and you just don't want to give anything up. Um, grapplers know what I'm talking about, and that's the type of conservativeness I saw from Adesanya. Now, it's not that he doesn't know the techniques. I'm willing to bet if there's a gun in my head that Adesanya does know these techniques. However, the way he conducted himself gives me really bad confidence. Um, really, really makes me reassess where he is at and what's, you know, um, ceilings and what's going on, especially with uh, the gym. It's because with, I know they're going to be getting a lot of crap with SPG comparisons, and that kind of comes with the territory. Uh, however, I will say, and I don't follow it too much because I don't care about gossip or interviews so much, but it does feel like Behrman, who I like, because he doesn't do much interviews. It felt like he's been doing gradually more throughout the year. And say what you will about UFC going, oh, they should have put more respect on Jan. Like, yeah, they should have. I, I should have, too. A lot of us should have. Uh, however, let's we not forget that apparently it was Adesanya's team, specifically Behrman, that got in Adesanya's ear right after because they fought on the same cards like hey let's go up and get you know like this is a spot for the picking um and if that's the case that's that's a kind of another flag so without piling on I think it's fair to say that that team has some serious reassessing to do we'll get to their results as we work through uh but yeah that was not a, a fucking 10 round but all the judges they're they're overcorrecting the steering wheel. Remember, I said this before. Not just about relevant, uh, not just relevant as far as grappling and scoring. How they went from damage away from grappling to damage, then they overdid grappling, and now they're kind of doing the same thing again this week. Um, yeah, and you know, I, this is stuff that I don't like being right about, folks, because one, it's usually not good things, and it, uh, two, I don't get credit for it, so. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I've said this before about uh, officials as well, which is my primary complaint um, with referees. Uh, if they mess up once, you're going to see them mess up again. Um, but usually in the opposite way because, guess what? They're not as infallible as athletic commissions like to defend and pretend. Um, they're human beings, and human beings overcorrect the steering wheel, uh, which is what we see with referees do with their stoppages, right? We see that all the time. And uh, that's why I constantly bring it up as a theme, even toward myself, because it's important for us to know our own biases and understand the nature to overcorrect the steering wheel in order to prevent such overcorrection. That's why I get so mad at these principles. Not at these people, but at these principles. People I respect, people in respectful positions that are very hard that you all should respect too. However, state your biases and or, you know, anyways... Let's go on. Um, Amanda Nunes defeated Megan Anderson. Uh, not much to say here. Uh, yeah, Megan Anderson did not look. He never hit. Oh, fighter looks scared. But I, I went back to watch that clip everyone was talking about, and holy crap! Uh, all I'll say about this is it was a reverse triangle off an armbar, not inverted. And I'm not trying to be snarky, McSnarkerson here. Um, it's just one of those common mistakes you see people mess up, like Darst Anaconda or the more acceptable Darst Japanese necktie confusions. Um, I'm just seeing everyone calling it inverted. Uh, inverted is when you invert. To invert is to go upside down. There was no um, 69ing of the head positions. Both their head positions were, sorry for the inappropriate reference, both their head positions were facing in the same direction, uh, except Nunez was behind Anderson as opposed to facing in front of her, like where the normal triangle takes place. So since she was 
behind the position was reversed. It is a reverse triangle. So that is the terminology for that. The more you know. Aljamain Sterling defeated Peter Yan in a dominant fashion. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, this is the controversial one. That stuff I cashed. Um, my pick was right. The, my guy was in the corner. Uh, however, there was obvious controversy attached. And to be honest, most listeners were on the Yan side. I know some listeners that lost a pretty penny. Uh, so you had, uh, there were some, and a lot of people lost a pretty penny apparently because boy were the emotions flying. You know, meanwhile, then I've got other friends and other people from other shows that are friends of mine, like just go on the other side, just trolling the, those people, right? And it's, it was fucking bedlam in the Twitter streets. Um, I'm not really going to break down the scores and the tactics and what was working, what wasn't, because it sounded like Sterling did not go unhealthy. He uh, changed up his weight cutting. Uh, re-hurt his neck, which probably happened during the, uh, you know, Peter Yan taking the Magomed Magomedov throw and using it for himself on Sterling there. And it uh, sounds like Sterling's wrist is bad again, so we're back to playing that question. Is that why uh, he's back to having the bad entries? Um, you know, and whatnot. And then, you know, in the highlights that I did see and from what I do remember the fight, Yan just seemed to have his wrestling on point, which is probably why he went to American Top Team. Which probably means he was just being fast, loose, and lazy in these other fights in the UFC, even though we've seen him wrestle before impressively. And with his rematch and adjustments, um, it would be hard for me to pick Sterling, even though I picked him this time around and was able to dodge the bullet on paper. But uh, we all kind of know what was trending, and even in my defense, though, I picked him, my biases and my plays and all that stuff. I did say if, if Sterling doesn't get it done in two, this will be trending toward Jan, so none of that surprised me, um, you know, as far as that goes. But, you know, you do think, like, if, or, you know, just Sterling try to go overload him either way. I'm not going to get into that. The point is Jan threw a really dumb illegal knee that nobody should be protesting. But, unfortunately, Sterling, and even though he defended himself that he only had the sip of champagne for the toast, that it was his family and friends, he didn't post it. It leaked. Obviously, it looks bad. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, fucking go and, and defend him to the death here or anything. Uh, I, I will say it just sucks for the Ray Longos and the Eric Mixics of the world because they're getting shit from the night of and then now probably even more with uh, Matt Sarah not being in the corner. And I listened to that unfiltered episode and you could tell Matt was hurt and I feel bad for him. Um, but you can also understand because this is this is how this game works. And I understand that Matt Sarah would be hurt. Fucking, he's every right to be, right? I mean, you're just you're gonna get butt hurt in these things. Like, and I'm not saying that like, oh, he's butt hurt. like teasing. I'm like, no, like it's, I compl- I empathize. Um, it just sucks because you know you get to see these things play out, um, and and, and you know, it, instead of behind closed doors where they should. And Longo seems just like old school dude. I love Longo. And of course, you guys know I know Eric and. Not just me. Everybody says good things about Eric for a reason because he's a 100% character person. Um, so without even knowing in detail, and full disclosure, I didn't talk to Eric. He's got so much. He's got to get back on track for Ige. Like, do I need to hit him up? You know, a part of me kind of wishes I did uh, because I can only imagine just all the bullshit he's probably had to put up, put up. And it's hard for these corner men, man. they got to turn the proverbial page. Like, these guys, especially the ones they care, they take the losses like the fighters. No, they're not in there, granted. But it's hard, especially like not just throughout camp, but especially on fight week. You're not allowed to have bad days around your fighter. 
You know, um, it's the most important week of their life. It's the port, most important day of their life. It's the most important night of their life. And you're constantly on. Like, you know how emotionally taxing that is? And, um, yeah, so just to see, like, this drama and stuff that's not, has nothing to do with it, you know. Aljo's a big boy. He makes his own decisions. And this is kind of the fallout from it, you know. Um, so people wanted my opinion on that. Like, these are the information that came to light. So maybe I'm glad that I didn't wait. I waited till late to talk about this. But I'm also not going to belabor the points as far as, like, what I think for rematches, what I think about the rules. Um, I will say, as far as the rules and protocol go, I will say that's where, lastly, on this subject before we move on, my blame goes. I blame the ref and the commission. Again, putting these fighters in a position to do this. Um, no one wants to stop the fight. That's why, like, you'll see, watch your fighter. Oh, why? Because the fight should be stopped in between corners. And because you, you know the corner is not going to do it. The corner doesn't want to stop it for, you know, their own reasons, right? And then you're going to have a harder time getting the corner to stop it than the ref, first of all, folks. I'm not saying the corner should be guilt-free, obviously. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know. It pisses me off when I see refs kind of put it off on them. And then in this case, it's putting it off on the fighter who is clearly concussed, clearly took a shot. No one should be arguing that. Now, if you want to say he was acting it up, um, first of all, the rules encourage you to act it up because the rules state you should get it no, no matter if you act it up or not, right? Uh, or, you know, if, if the illegal thing happens. Uh, but, yeah, the rules encourage, you know. And if the rules encourage it and the call's not being made, well, what's going to happen? Um, the fighter is inherently going to act it up even if they realize they're doing it. And it's not because they're cowards, folk. In fact, I would argue the opposite way. I'm a big fan of John McCarthy. He's got a big sample size if he wants to have that opinion of Aljo playing it up. So, you know, that's ballsy. But and that's on Big John. And I agree with him on some, some things in this card and, and some not. And I'm, I'm, I like Big John. I respect Big John. So, um. There's no shade or anything like that, but I just saw a lot of people. I bring it up because I saw a lot of people um, throwing that out there. And I will say, if Aljo or anybody did, I would argue that they do it because they're tough. They play it up because they're tough. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but allow me to explain. It's kind of like, you know, we see fighters tap the strikes and what happens and what happens when they submit, you know? Hell, uh, and I'm not defending BJ Penn here, but like BJ George too, right? He never said I quit or to call the fight his corner actually stepped in and did it for him which was the right move like I want to see that more protect your fucking fighters and what happened granted BJ talked a bunch of shit so that was a big reason for it I'm not defending that by the way but he gets called a quitter he gets tormented for it for something that like we should be doing more in MMA for if, especially for serious um when we say we care about fighter safety uh and uh and yeah so fighters don't want to do that they know they know what's out there you know what i'm saying but if a fighter can't continue and they know they can't continue or they just can't continue you can't expect them to say that either so basically when the ref doesn't step in to make the call and do their job we're stuck in this purgatory or i should say mainly the fighter with a camera and all these people in their face is stuck in this purgatory and they don't want to look like a bitch or make a way out. But they, they did get hurt. They are hurt. So what do you do, folks? You know what Aljo or anyone maybe may or may not have done? Something we all have definitely done. Whether it was at work as adults or at school as children. 
There were times where we weren't feeling good. We were legitimately sick or hindered. We legitimately weren't feeling well. And when we talked to that person of authority, when we finally made that decision where, you know, I can't do this, I can't go in, or I'm here and I need to go home, right? We got to cross that bridge of an authority, whether it's a school nurse, a boss, a teacher, or whatnot, right? And there's always that point that even though you're, you you might have the best intentions, you may consider yourself a good conscious human being, you're legitimately sick, but there's that kind of point where you're like, either you're insecure and you're kind of guessing ahead, like, oh, I don't think they're going to let me go home, or there's that point in the conversation where maybe they're not sold or you don't know where it's going, and you're like, let me just, I mean, I'm already legitimately feeling, you know, 7 out of 10. Let me turn it to an 8, 8.5 out of 10, right? Oh, yeah, it really doesn't feel good, right? You're going to tell me no one's done that? And, you're gonna, and, and, and in those situations, you know, maybe you lose a day's pay if it's work. But did you have a world title, a UFC title on the line, and all, all this money on the line? Half your fucking paycheck is bigger than any paycheck you or I probably have gotten, even with Aljo's pay, which is probably not enough like most fighters still more than a lot of us right i mean to criticize that it's silly it's fucking silly and my point is that if they did play it up it's because a people in a position that should be protecting them put them in the position to play it up and b their toughness is making them play it up because they don't know any way where to go so, I know it's a very nuanced perspective. It's someone easy to go, he's a bitch. Fuck him. Um, but I'm sorry that you're not going to get those kind of uh, views here. Um, but yeah, so my, my blame goes on. Um, and then sucks for Mark Smith. That's his first ref assignment, you know, for a title fight. Even if he didn't, quote unquote, make the fast call, um, either way, it's he gets some kind of unprecedented controversy for his first time. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, send the mob after him type of guy. I never mean to do that with any of my complaints here, by the way. And certainly not doing that with Mark Smith. But yes, that's where my blame goes to him and the governing body. You know, like that's why I tweeted like, wow, these guys are, you know, they're, they're so quick to, to to stop people from, you know, stop people from earning money because of weed. But uh, in the name of safety, but dude gets illegally fucking execution style needed in the head, and we gotta fucking let's ask the most least qualified person in the arena uh, what to do. Hey, Aljo, I know you're seeing birdies right now, but we don't know what the fuck to do, even though we wrote the rule book. <laughs> fucking idiots. Sorry. Fucking hate the commission. Um. All right. Next fight. That's where my blame. That's where your blame should go to, folks. Stop getting mad at the fighters in their corners. Islam Makachev defeated uh, Drew Dober. Um, submission arm triangle. Um, yeah, man. Good stuff. I'm sure there's a lot more good stuff to, to go look at in that fight. Uh, I think I was on the body lock uh, stream at this time. And um, yeah, may or may, <laughs> may or may not have had some adult candy. Shout out to Matt and Jake on the body lock for having me. That was definitely fun. Um you guys got to see my height thing, like the Rosen struck, and the, all these like, rants kind of came to, again, things Dan complains about. Coinc- crazy enough, fucking comes true. Fucking Peter Young, five, seven and a half, my ass. 
Um, so that's why I tweeted that. Leo DiCaprio. Excuse me, GIF. Me anytime I see the fighter heights. Um, and then, by the way, the, the adult candies. Let's let's not let's not uh, get it twisted. Yeah. Uh, as uh, as Pulver from the Sound of Violence said, I was taking the Ant Walker role of the night. So shout out to the Sound of Violence guys who uh, who called me out and actually broke down the uh, incredible edibles that I, I was partaking on. Hey, it was a it was a uh, you know what I was dealing with a lot of pain. Clearly, uh, I ended up up all night and uh, having to go to the, to uh, the old urgent care the next day for uh, for an injury. So those things came in handy, but uh, it's hilarious, the power of the internet. And uh, shout out to Sound of Violence Pod, by the way. Fucking Chris Medaffer brought up, to, uh, did a Willem Dafoe to live and die in L.A. reference. And, you know, you know, Dan Tom, Osborne, always pops for Willem Dafoe, one of my favorite actors. Last shout, as I interjected randomly into this recap, uh, my man Joey uh, from the MMA Junkie Radio Days over on Instagram. Always a listener to this podcast, Joey. Hope you're doing well from your uh, your surgery you had, buddy. You're recovering. We both suffer from similar things, so I just always give him a you know, want to give him a shout for that. Uh, all right, sorry. Um, out, back to the UFC 259. Alexander Rakic defeated uh, Thiago uh, Santos. Um, Thiago de Moeta. Uh, Jesus Christ. All right. Um, yeah, I kind of was just half watching that. I felt like it was on the stream. Uh, Dominic Cruz defeated Casey Kenny. Um, yeah, I uh, shit. I ate shit on this one, but like I said, if I'm gonna be wrong, then that means one of my favorite fighters wins. So that was cool. Although that was, you know, calling out Hans Molenkamp, I guess. All right, that was really random. Uh, but then looking into that, now that I can't stop seeing this weird dude posting pictures with small fighters, it's just kind of now it's become very funny in an internet meme way but thanks for bringing that to light Dom Cruz um, Casey Kenny I think would have done better if he just kept kicking the legs he just kind of stopped doing that for some reason um, and uh, and yeah he just he just just, just started uh, head hunting so the analysis started out being right and then faded off but hey man like I said if I'm going to eat shit then hey Dom Cruz is going to win Kyler Phillips defeated Song Yadong. Um, I picked Yadong, so I was wrong, but I'm glad I stayed away because at first I thought it was an attractive line. I thought, first I thought Yadong maybe should have been a bit bigger favorite, and then I look into it. I'm like, mm, you know, I could see Phillips piling up the volume, and sure enough, he did. Didn't pick him, though. Askar Askarov defeated Joseph Benavides. This one really made me sad, man. Talk about fading the wrong guy. Like, this is why I hate, you know, playing unders, fading old guys. Um, uh, doing all those typical MMA gambler things is because when I try to join in on the reindeer fun and games, it, it like goes completely to shit. Um, and it sucks because there's a guy like Oscar Askarov who's like a number one on my fade list. But like Tiago Moises, I don't hold grudges. I know when to turn it around and cash them plus two to one dogs. So, um, uh, you know, I won't hold it to a detriment with Oscar Askarov. And it sucks because it's hard to tell because Joseph Benavidez just looked washed, not himself. He even said so. So... There is going to be some over-inflation on the already over-inflated Askarov. But he also did show a little bit more solid skills, even albeit kind of basic repertoires. Uh, a little more hooking off, hooking and kicking off of his jab. Um, 
And then when you look at Davis and Figueiredo's kind of traditional weakness to fighters, like, fuck, Askarov actually, you know. I'll be curious to see what that line is. We'll see. But um, it just sucked to see Joe B lose like that. Again, like, he never gets outdone in scrambles. And then, of course, he shows him get outdone. You know, it's like with the Blockwood thing. Like, oh, he's going to. Adesanya is going to kick his legs, and then uh, uh, Blockwitz, you know, everyone who throws Blockwitz, leg kicks on Blockwitz, literally everyone lands in the 9800 percentile. What's Blockwitz's main thing? Oh, kick defense. Like, uh, classic Dan Tom, when the analysis is wrong, that's when it's wrong. Yeah, so. Uh, I, 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 too, hate the words of bad beat, but, uh, boy, could I qualify for a lot of those when you look at a lot of the shit that I've gotten wrong with the bigger plays that I've, I fucking went out on. Um uh, let's see. Uh, Amanda Lemos defeated Lavinia Souza. Now, I feel good about this uh, because I, I did say she was my more confident parlay piece out of anybody, and uh, boy, did she look it right. I don't mind the stoppage either. Uh, we should have more stoppages. It's just the fact that we had a, a stupidly long stoppage um, earlier. It just looked like overcorrecting the steering wheel, even though it was different refs. Sean Brady defeated Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews. Uh, by submission, arm triangle, um, freaking excellent pressure, excellent pressure, lo- lo- lovely pressure grappling, Makachev, Brady, beautiful pressure grappling in play, looked like Tim Elliott was pressure grappling and doing much more to Jordan Espinosa, something about domestic violence charges in 2018, I don't know, I was stuffing my face with Mexican food in fucking heaven, um, watching this fight without really, without volume, um, like a lot of this card. So I didn't catch any of that. I just saw my bet cashing, so I was like, fuck yeah, cash that dog money. Um, which was nice about them that they did cash. Kaikar France defeated uh, Rogerio Bontarine. Looked like Bontarine was going to be winning this thing until he wasn't. Kaikar France came out swinging. It was like the alternate ending to Drakkar Close and Benil Dariush, where you just pour it on when the guy's legs are gassed out from a body triangle all around. Uh, weird stoppage from her Dean or non-stoppage, I should say. And it almost made Kai Kara France look an asshole, like he was coming back to like taunt him when it really didn't. He was going back to finish it because Herb Dean technically didn't stop it. So uh, another reason. But, hey, you know, whatever. These guys can keep going and collecting checks, whereas these fighters got to live with whatever happens in there. Um... But yeah, it's funny. Before this fight, how funny would it be if Kai Car France is the only city kickboxing fighter to win? When he was like one of the, a, arguably one of the more over most overhyped ones, and B, uh, I can't forget what card it was, but like every city kickboxing team member won except for him, like last time. So it's like this guy can't celebrate with his team, no matter what. <laughs> I feel kind of feel bad in that sense. Kennedy uh, Nischekwu defeated Carlos Olberg. Um, this was kind of just like a stupid blind pick, you know. I was like, oh, I'll pick the kickboxing guy who's more active. Uh, but that's all a line. I'm like, that's stupid. I should just pick Kennedy just for the line. And I should have. Either way, I don't care being wrong because, to be honest, I kind of sprinkled on Kennedy since I wasn't playing Olberg anyways. So they cash. So big shouts to uh, them and Safe Sayud who I had an exchange with. He all seems to follow my tweets and stuff. Um, so I feel bad because I feel like I've picked against his guys a lot and they, they haven't done well result-wise. And they absolutely deserve to do well because uh, it's a really good camp and I really do like Coach Safe. Um, so I genuinely meant what I said to him on Twitter. Super happy for him. 
And you know, you say what he, you say what you will about him going, I will fucking cut you if you don't fucking throw or whatever. You know, like he gets like he gets in his tough at his face. But I love it, man. Like he knew exactly what to say to his fighter to get him back in there between rounds. And when he got low blown fouls, can really shake concentration. Like he's aware of these things and just got his fighter. Didn't even give him a chance to get your head back in the fucking game, get back on this guy. He knew he was fading. I mean, it was fantastic corner work for a well-deserved win for, obviously, Kennedy, the fighter in there. But, yes, for Coach Safe as well. And uh, Olberg is uh, Aaron Bronstetter, who is, plays along. Uh, my man Aaron, he plays along with the uh, with our, you know, fantasy Jewish fight team, which is like, uh, they haven't been doing well, man. Olberg, uh, Rosenstra, Fantasy Jewish Fight League, Olberg, Ellenberger, Rosenstruck, Samuelsberg. Every Saturday after the Shabbos. No one swings on Shabbos. <laughs> Sorry, I wrote Fantasy Jewish Fight League. Fight League. Fight League. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not been a good... It's not been a good go for the Fantasy Jewish Fight League. There we go. We got Team Spectrum. We got the Fantasy Jewish Fight League. Jesus, what? Uh, I am going to get canceled. This podcast is going to get canceled. Uh, Euros Medic is a couple of wild and crazy guys. Wow, Dan. More ethnic references that are also dated. What won't you do? Um, <laughs> anybody saw my tweet and, you know, as a fan of 1970s SNL, uh, yeah, and that was almost 50 years ago. Okay, Jesus Christ. A timely. Defeated Alon Cruz. Um, this was more of just like a throwing a dart, a little bit of bias. Cruz was training at Couture. Didn't matter. He just got lit up like his last fight. And, um, yeah, man, managed to look good. It's just still hard to know. Like, everyone's like, was preaching about the guy pre and then post, but I'm like, dude, how many contender series of guys have we seen shit the bed how many first round guys only you know fighting the first round have we seen shit the bed and what did he do get another guy out of the first round now i like what i see he's a southpaw training at king's mma i like that um and i do think there's good reason to get excited about medich however it was just one of those things where it's like god damn it, it really didn't matter like i just it, i could it didn't matter how right you were in analysis you were just I was just eating shit. <laughs> I felt like uh, on a lot of these, a lot of these fights. Um, but yeah, I didn't like that stoppage again. What I talk about with the turtle refs really don't know ground position, especially the turtle. So it seems. And um, yeah, I know people were defending this one, saying, you know, uh, Cruz was uh, Cruz was uh, swimming for a turtle. Uh, he was he was giving with the ref. What, 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 uh, what he was asking for is what you're going to hear when people defend the stoppage. However, um, just like why I defended Sterling or anybody who acts up, not only if they act up that they uh, you shouldn't call them a coward because you know they're doing it out of bravery slash because they have to. So it's a shitty situation where they're actually trying to be brave, as crazy as that sounds, because they don't want to look like a biatch because y'all are so fucking kind to these fighters. Um, but Cruz actually took the turtle as a, as as. Uh, as a sign of retreat. I know I argue for it not always being it. This was a time where it actually was. Textbook sign of retreat. But this is what happens, folks. Is a lot of times these fighters, they legitimately get hurt. And some of a lot of them, yes, will come to and start fighting off of instinct. But a lot of them, it's, they either come to, they're hurt, and maybe they don't even need to come to because they're still conscious with it, but they're hurt enough to kind of check out and go, okay, I'm done. I'm hurt. 
But once they realize the fighter's not saving them, because again, you can't tap the strikes, you can't look like a bitch, right? Um, so they'll take a sign of position. But if that's not working, well, of course they're going to fight back, folks. What do you think they're going to do? Continue to get hit and trust these amazingly consistent referees and com commissions who clearly are looking out for their safety? No, they have to fight back. So when you have these long stoppages and go, you know, like, uh, even though it was much more prolonged and, and obviously grosser as a whole, I feel like there was arguably, if you want to take that specific angle, I feel like that specific angle is more arguable in the Anthony Smith Glover to share a fight than it was in this fight. I saw a dude that was just fucking done from the first time he got dropped, much less the two times after. Um, the only time he swam for singles or swung back, which he barely did, by the way, with his eyes closed, um, was desperation, folks. Was defense because the ref wasn't fucking defending him. So there's two perspectives to that. You know, the ref saying defend yourself. Uh, or you can defend him for him, ref, because he's fucking done. Anyways, Trevin Jones defeated Mario Batista. Hopefully you weren't dumb and took my advice with the biggest parlay piece, the Lemos, which was correct, and then paired it with Batista. Even though in my defense, like, I did not hear anybody picking Trevin Jones, and I heard people as well talking high on Batista. So if I led you wrong there, boy, do I apologize, because I ate shit on that one. I took a shot by pairing them together. So, yeah, I didn't even reap the rewards of uh, <laughs> of my most confident pick there. All right, that was a bit long of a recap, but we did get um, the shouts in there, and I will quickly do some Amazon reads, and then we'll get to this uh, breakdown. Sorry, folks, I'm not sure if I'll get it under an hour, but I am overdue on these Amazon reads. Um, we got more people buying. By the way, uh, Amazon reads. If you want to support the show, you know, uh, this does it, every little helps a lot, especially uh, you know, with uh, one less job here for your boy. One less uh, source of income. This stuff makes it uh, helpful, um, especially because I do want to continue to keep this podcast free, as I promised to do. But yes, if you want to support this free show, go to mixedmartialanalyst.com. That host this program has got a lot of content on there for you. But on the right hand side, no matter what page you're on, you will see on it and Amazon click throughs. If you click through the on it or Amazon, you can do your shopping at both. I like the hemp or the plant based protein at on it. Um, it doesn't give me any of your personal information. It just cuts back a small percentage of your sale. No extra cost to you back to this here program. Believe me, it's used. Uh, Amazon does give me a list, but don't worry. It does not tell me who you are. So if you want to go ahead and buy an Ultra Vibration Max 5000 and a Karate Gi and reenact David Carradine's Magic Thailand bedroom experience, you can go ahead and do that. And I will probably pontificate on the items, but I will not out your identity because I can't. Uh, so, wow, Dan, that was a really weirdly specific reference. But, hey, uh, anyways, it looks like someone used it to not buy David Carradine products. Somebody bought Lenny and Larry's Keto Cookie Peanut Butter Soft Baked. Thank you very much. Someone bought an Amazon Smart Plug that is uh, Alexa-friendly. I hope I didn't set off your device. Sorry. Um, Blue Diamond Almonds, low-sodium, lightly salted. Though That's always good stuff. That's a great snack there. I can get behind that. Under Armour prototype logo shorts. It looks like a blurry logo on these things when I click on it. But uh, hey, man, get your athletic shorts on. Hopefully you're getting your workout on. 
uh, complete NBA for dummies. All right, anything for dummies, Dan can get behind because I am a dummy. Nike Cushion Plus socks. Ah, comfortable looking. I probably could use some new socks too. Okay, that's that's not bad. Um, high brew, cold brew coffee, black and bold. High brew. Do you get high when you drink it? It's pretty high brew, man. Wake and bake. <laughs> Actually, would that be counterproductive? Having like a coffee and weed combo infused. I'm sure they have those, right? Any company can feel free to send me to try. Uh, or, or plug. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wooden letters, 130 pieces, assorted wooden craft letters. Hopefully you're not using it to spell inappropriate things, like Dan Tom and Alphabet Soup, or Dan Tom's friends when they were unfortunate enough to have those magnets. And uh, I was not invited to spend the night after rearranging certain words. All right. Uh, somebody got UTEC wireless charging pad. Looks like a helipad, but it charges multiple devices. That looks pretty darn useful. Um, some more Larry and Lenny's Keto Chip Chocolate Chip Cookies. All right, thank you for those. I, I see you, somebody buying those. Uh, we also got, oh, that was a nice. Somebody bought the Office Complete Series box set. Thank you for that. Smallest percentage of that helps. Uh, and then someone bought, lastly, but not leastly, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> What's your, what was that? What was my favorite scene from there? What's your qualifications? Rape. Arson, murder, rape. You said rape twice. I like rape. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't say that word anymore. Trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. All right, where are we at? Uh, all right, 41.40. That's like 42 minutes. Wow. All right, big intro. But hey, that's why you check the timestamps, folks. So we move over to UFC Vegas 21. We're going to go from top to bottom. Headline by Leon Edwards, minus 260. Bilal, remember the name, Muhammad, plus 220. Um... I got an in-depth breakdown over at MMAJunkie.com. I really like putting this one together because I have not written about either man in a while. Even though Muhammad fights a lot, I haven't gotten to write about him in a long time. I think last time was like maybe like UFC 205 or some shit. Wow. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm going with Edwards here. I thought maybe by decision because Bilal is so dang tough. H however, I even though Edwards with the ring rust, uh, I do think he can find a finish. Um but he's going to have to hurt Bilal early. Uh, and not super early. I expect Edwards actually to probably give up the first round due to Bilal's pace, which won't let up. However, um, I do expect Edwards to get his proverbial sea legs underneath him. Bilal's not a big first-round finisher, so he doesn't have to worry about getting abused. Uh, but, he, yeah, I could see him losing that first round. Uh, but... Even though uh, Edwards isn't like a Max Holloway builder, he is a countering fighter. He is a smart fighter. He is a styming fighter. Uh, so if you're going to offer him as much building materials as Bilal, I imagine will, Edwards is going to be able to do stuff with it. Um, Bilal's wrestling is really good against the cage. Um, I was talking about his ability to hit that cradle against Diego Lima, which was nice. I believe I talked about that on my appearance of Heavy Hands. I think that was on their Patreon episode. We had some good conversations with Bilal which I highlight some of that analysis that I brought there within the article. Um, we saw him hit draw more in his southpaw shifts, which was nice. Kind of like Jacare Souza would do back in the day, except Bilal is doing it pressuring forward mid-combination as opposed to waiting off the counter and backstepping into it traditionally, like 
Jokere Souza Wood. I know I'm referencing a jiu-jitsu guy, but it's a it's a solid striking tactic. And um, yeah, and but Edwards not just you know wrestle grinding underrated wrestling all these things you may hear synonymous with him at least now at this point finally right kind of going against his region there how you would stereotype it but not just underrated in those aspects um he's not exactly offensive with it it's a lot of it's a a counter wrestling efforts he's countering guys who grapple him that's kind of when this stuff comes out and that's kind of when it shines the most so that's why uh i don't know if it's the best thing in the world for Bilal to actually mix it up which he it's his strength obviously it's a part of his style um Bilal attacks the legs really well, but as we saw in his last fight, and even fights before, like Jordan Mean, I totally forgot, I believe it was Jordan Mean, I think, even like nicked up his leg. Like it's been a common thing because he's so naturally heavy on his lead foot that even though Bilal's aware of leg kicks and calf kicks and he's not shy to attack these things, I think he's just going to be inherently open for it. So uh, Edwards can and will switch stance to attack legs, but he's not like a huge leg attacker. He's very competent. However, I really like his leg kick defense, you know. He um, he even shown to check, like, calf kicks on the fly, whether he mean to or not. He kind of has that natural turn the shin out. And he does what I really love, where he kind of draws back and kind of takes a step back into it. Um, just a natural counter puncher. When people throw straights, he has a knack for, you know, um, kind of inside slip type counters where he's coming over the top of their shoulders where they don't see it. He's got a knack for coming over the top of people's shoulders. And when they hook or get aggressive with him, he, Edwards, that is, will clench um, and kind of control there and get a beat on things. And if guys get a beat that the left elbow is coming out like RDA does, he will kind of whip and cast around his right to set up a left punch. So he's constantly building and giving you things to work off of. I just love his head position. I mean... It's it's so easy to see why um, others who have my similar sensibilities, other, my uh, my other colleagues as far as technical analyst goes, um, Stan Edwards as well, because he's definitely just going to be one of those, you know, appeal for that, not for mainstream or most, which is fine. But uh, but yeah, I really like like that, and if you look at it, like Jeff Neal kind of hits the exact version except not even as slick and nothing against jeff neal by the way just because edwards is so slick at that left elbow offer inside the break and he actually rocks muhammad with it in their fight muhammad is technically i believe a winning record against southpaws um three and two against ufc level southpaws however all of his knockdowns they come from three fighters two of those were southpaws and there's six knockdowns total five of those were from the southpaws all of them, including the one orthodox knockdown, which was from his knockout from Luke, who went southpaw in that fight, um, was obviously a left hook, which was his main shot. Uh, as left hands really tend to, um, you know, left-sided shots really do their damage on Bilal. Kicks, crosses, elbows. Edwards does all those. He's got the southpaw double attack for the kicks and crosses, and he's got the elbow and the clinch. So that's kind of why... Um, I see him capitalizing off a finish, plus the the faster turnaround and the damage I was probably already taken. Um, even though being fresher is going to have its benefits over Edwards for sure, I do you know if Edwards is able to hurt him, 
early. It's A, not hard for him to see him take control. At B, produce a finish because Bilal's not a guy you want to be in there with anyway. So hopefully it's a great fight. I know Bilal will make a great showing himself when a win or lose. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bilal, but I just, you know, this could be uh, one of the tougher matchups out there for him. We'll see. Um, I didn't play anything on this one, believe it or not. Um, good luck if you do. Serkinov, minus 135, Ryan Span, plus 115. Was hoping the line would flip. Um, I want to play Serkinov. It's still playable at minus 135, but out of principle, I don't think I can because he opened at minus 125. And, you know, it's it's strange, you know. Uh, Ryan Span, I believe he's got a winning record against UFC-level southpaws, but... You know, it was a split decision against Alvi that he fought really close and didn't look the greatest in. You know, the the corpse of uh, Little Nog, right? And he lost to Carl Roberson. Um. So. It's uh, it's it's tricky to know where he is with the southpaws. That being said, Serkinov probably not going to want to stand. That's where things seem to go wrong for him. Been training in Vegas. Uh, couldn't find his social media though. Um, I like his mindset. He seems like a fighter. I kind of gotten away from this, where like fighters who do better or worse with or without the crowds. Um, even though Joby may have been washed, and he said he didn't feel like himself, anyways. He also said he's a fighter that does better in the crowds, which makes sense. A lot of the fighters I like, the Jobies of the world, Tony Ferguson's, seem like they do better in the crowds. Um. Whereas these other fighters who maybe have mental lapses or the, these other things, they seem to be doing better. Uh, Jack Hermanson comes to mind. Even in his loss, you know, it was one of his best performances, you could argue, with the resolve that he showed against a guy like Vittori, right? And Serkinov, maybe because he's a European guy, where, like, you see him randomly get extinguished, even though he's got, like, all these, like, creds and he's a sizable guy for the division, etc. Um, you know, athletic in his own attributes, in his own rights, in his own ways, but... Similar vibes. Um, so, but I, for that reason, I could actually believe a guy like Serkinov when he says he's looking forward to fighting in the pandemic era because he'll make less mistakes, be more focused. And I do think he's the better grappler than Span. Span, ha, you know, outside of some random dude early on, he knocks out Alex Nicholson. Again, the corpse of Big Nog and someone else, but. Seven or eight year, years, I think he's only got like four KOs, TKOs to his name with the ones that I mentioned included. So I don't know if he is like like a Rumble Johnson knockout threat or anything. So Or he's not, obviously. So it's... I'll go circling off here, you know? Uh, he be, He's able to beat Jimmy Crute. You know, I know Jimmy Crute is young, is one of those fights. But still, Jimmy Crute's good. And, and um, yeah. I just feel like I'm going to need, like, a minus 110 or minus 105 or plus money. Like, the line of flip for me to play a circuit off here. We'll see. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll play Danny Ige minus 150. Gavin Tucker plus 130. Um, if I do, it would be biased, folks. You guys know that. Don't follow me off the cliff. I'm picking Ige. It's a biased one. But I don't disagree with him being slightly favored. You gotta worry though, because it's like Ige. I think he's technically got a winning record against Southpaws, two and one. But those two came against Southpaws who wanted to grapple with them, whereas the one came against the Southpaw who was the one Southpaw who had slick countering and striking from the Southpaw stance, which is Gavin Tucker. So 
we could see Gavin Tucker do his own version of the uh, Julio Arce fight, I should say. Sorry. Julio Arce, Southpaw, Crafty Counters. Um, we could see him do that here, for sure. I like the way Gavin Tucker talks and studies. You know, he's got Faraz, who studied Ige before. When they fought Bectic, or cornered against him. Although, Tucker does his camps in Halifax and not really a TriStar. Um, yeah, man. Tucker, I don't like betting against the guy. I was really high on him. It was one of those spots where, what? Who's this random Canadian you're high on? And then he's like styling on Sam Cecilia. And I was like, I told you wasn't betting on a chalk debutante for nothing. But then he, you know, had the arguable life changer against Glenn. And it's kind of been hard to know where he's at. And then, heck, he even almost got beaten by my guy Justin Janes there. So you got to wonder if Ige can build off that success. Because um, he's got more he can work with in a lot of senses. On paper, at least. So that's why he's probably on paper favored to beat Tucker. So... I'm gonna go with Ige here. I just I'm I'm hesitant to get too too much further into it because I'm I'm pretty biased on that one, folks. So, uh, yeah. Next fight, Angela Hill minus 380. Ashley Yoder plus 315. I'm taking Hill to kind of repeat the last fight. Uh, Yoder will have her moments in the first half uh, here or there, but Hill should pull away down the stretch. But I don't think she's gonna look like a four to one favor that she's probably gonna close at. Um, so I don't really like any of the lines. They're too juiced for me. So. It's on my avoid for that reason, just because it's the lines. Manel Cape, minus 130. Matthias Nicolau, plus 110. This fight opened it even, but the public has pushed Cape to the favorite. He's the more active guy. Um, you know, he's more athletic, if you look at the two. Which, uh, you know, you got to be careful about saying that, folks. Like I told you, even though I was picking Sterling, um, I, I, I was... Of the Tommy Elliott's of the world, where I'm like, Jan is clearly the more athletic guy, but you kind of hear how fucking inadvertently racist commentary is because even people who aren't racist are like, oh yeah, clearly Aljo's more explosive and athletic. Like, oh Jesus. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying Cape isn't more athletic than Nicolau. He's certainly more durable, right? That's where it counts. Um, He's got more power, even though Nicolau could put guys out too. It's more like off of like pinpoint accuracy because they both have uh, some amateur boxing experience. Kate more just kind of raised with boxing because his dad was some type of world champion. Uh, whereas Nicolau just um, just competed in amateur boxing coming up as well with MMA. He competed, medaled, won tournaments, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, but he can wrestle as well. Um he can kick box, but yeah, a lot of it's very boxing centric, sure. Um, but I like Nicolau, man. Uh, I know he got, you know, knocked out by uh, Ortiz, but if you look at that shot, it was one of those things where he, I could feel like Rachik and Clark, why people will point to that one, even though Rachik survived it, um, whereas Nicolau didn't survive his. They both had their hand up, thinking they were going to block it. And it was still technically improper, as the strikes got through in their own ways or whatnot. But um, those are the shots that always hurt more most is when you think you have it blocked. So I'd be careful to condemn him. Plus, he's super young. Like, yeah, it wasn't the first time he got knocked out. But, like, the first time he got knocked out, he was 20. The second time, like, he just turned 24 at that time. Like, he's super young fighting at a high level. So I'm, you're going to get those losses. Um... 
I do expect Cape to be better and to show more. However, he is taking it on short notice. He's more active, but he's taking it on short notice. Whereas Nikolau, he hasn't fought, but he had two camps to get ready for... Uh, I don't think it was Usman or Magomedov. It was some Ulambekov, I think. Yeah, Tajir Ulambekov. And um, so he had two camps getting ready for that guy. Trains Nova. And yeah, trains all over the place, man. Um, it looks like he's in great shape. Uh, just more of a consistent round winner. I think he'll be better in scrambles. I think he's a better wrestler than Pantoja was. So if he wants to take advantage of some of those things that I thought Pantoja was able to take, going to be able to take advantage of Cape, even though Pantoja still won, that didn't necessarily play out because there wasn't much grappling. Um, with the way Na uh, Cape uh, tripods, and I know Cape's a brown belt, but not as good as Nicolau, not as good as Scrambler, not as good as a wrestler, and not as highly ranked as well. So, um, you're going to give me plus money? I'll go with Nicolau. I just took a shot at him for a unit. Uh, next fight, Darren Stewart, minus 175. Eric Anders, plus 155. Um, Darren Stewart pretty much opened as a 2-1 to one favorite, and I don't disagree with that. Um, I actually put him as a leg of a parlay. However, uh, I, I don't like going against Anders because I like Anders and Anders is, looks like he's at fight ready um, which is good he needs a, a camp but it's like he's went to different camps before and didn't stick so you know how do we know this isn't going to be any different um, and he's been out there since January like 10th or 11th according to his Instagram so exactly two months and just under two months you include the weight cut the Vegas week the quarantine and you always need that one adjusting period, right, that I was warning people about when there's a camp change. So it's like he had an eye surgery because he was seeing spots in his eye, like serious stuff from trauma. And he says his vision is better than perfect now, but, you know, that's some serious stuff. He does look in great shape like a lot of people at Fight Ready uh, do. Just leave it at that. And uh, so, you know, we'll see, man, you know, Part of me is, well, I'm not going to lie, part of me is worried. Uh, Darren Stewart hasn't fought a ton of southpaws in his career. He's got that loss to Carl Robertson, but that was um, a grappling loss, and I believe in the clinch. So I don't know how much the stance had to do with it. Uh, and I like where Darren Stewart's just kind of been out with this chip on his shoulder, you know? Um, his skills have really improved, his cardio has really improved. And, yeah, I just see him doing more, being more effective out there. Um, and now that his price came down, not down enough for me to straight play him, so I just paired him. I like that number. It's kind of the perfect number to play with the number that I was looking at for a parlay, which is a little higher, but it balances out for plus money for a two-leg. I got J.J. Aldridge, minus 160. Courtney Casey, comeback, plus 140. I like Aldridge here. Uh, she's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so I think she can hold her own if she gets into scrambles with Casey. Uh, but Casey doesn't take girls down very often. I know she hasn't gotten like a takedown in like five fights or like since 2017 or something. Something crazy. You look at the competition and the fight that it was in. It kind of makes sense. It wasn't like since like Christina Stancy or something. 2016 or 2017. I mean like... Um, or is Ajay Jai Aldridge. Ajay Jai Aldridge. Uh, you know, she can, she, Taekwondo girl, but man, she just boxes it up from the southpaw stance. 
Um, you're seeing improvements each time. She stands her ground a little bit, and you hear uh, Trevor Whitman talking in the commentary about it. And coincidentally enough, Pat Barry is uh, the next fight, I should say, is uh, using those keywords that Trevor Whitman did. Be sure to stand your ground, etc., etc. And um, even though J.J. Aldridge's footwork can be predictable in the ways in which she, she circles, she at least moves her feet and at least moves linearly less, which whereas Casey doesn't really have footwork. She just moves forward and backward on straight lines and keeps her head on a straight line for the most part. So I'll take Aldridge here. Um, minus 160 is still a bit too high to play. If it comes below minus 150, maybe I'll take a shot. But it opened at minus 165, so there's still not a lot of value from the opening line. Um, honey, yeah, yeah, everybody! Minus 280. Sorry, I don't know why I get that with Honey, yeah, yeah, Ray Rodriguez, plus 240. Yeah, Honey, yeah, yeah, looks like he's an extra at weekend at Bernie's. Like, he should be, like, he should have some, like, Ch-ch-ch-chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Like, he should have that, like, red, like, Hawaiian t-shirt, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, like... He's have his even uh, he have his hairy chest showing with like a gold chain, you know, the same exact receding hairline and haircut that he has now. Like Honey Yaya looks so eighties. Hey everybody, it's party time! Uh, that's all I think when I see Honey Yaya. Um, and you know, Honey Yaya to me is like uh, Dubronx's is, Dubron is on some podcast where he's one of my auto sub bet guys. Um, which sucks because I like Ray Rodriguez, by the way. Ray Rodriguez, uh, uh, one of the short list of fighters, I believe, who shouted out this podcast. So, you know, I, I got appreciation for Ray there because that Team Ohana team. And also, someone, my man Rodney, used to train over there. So, uh, shouts to Ray. I would love for him to upset. Part of me always roots for him when he goes. But, yeah, Honey Yaya is like, uh, it's hard. Team Constrictor, man. Real tough to go against him. And, Ray Rodriguez is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well, folks. But, um, you know, not always created equal. And uh, even though Aniaya doesn't have the best gas tank, um, I don't know if it's going to be as much of an issue here. So I think he can get the sub. I'll pick him by that. It's minus 105. So I'm, I'm going to wait to see if maybe there's some plus money that comes in. People look to fade the older guy or something. I don't know how it works. Maybe we'll see. If not, I just might be... Sitting around waiting for the bus with my dick in the wind. But uh, that's the pick. Uh, Charles Jordan, minus 245. Ed Jordan versus Marcelo, the Velociraptor. Rojo, plus 205. I don't know if that's his nickname, but he does the the, the Velociraptor thing. Um, just a well-rounded guy. No strong disciplines in really anywhere. Rojo is, that is. Jordan's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. But, um, gets credited a lot as a striker for all his fancy flying knees and Stance shifts and whatnot. Um, Rose face guys from each stance, so we'll see. He seems pretty well rounded. Maybe scared of it to pick Jordan. I didn't put him on the avoid, but it feels like one for me just because of that cool about fight. Uh, but he's pretty forthcoming on where his head was at. Says he's not going to make that mistake again. Overlook an opponent. We'll see. I will pick Jordan uh, by a very fun decision. But I don't know about the minus 245 plus tag. I don't want to pay pay it even if it does end up being right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, next fight, Jonathan Martinez, Pedro. Vote for Pedro, minus 320 versus Davy Grant there. Hello there, puppet. It's me, Davy Grant. 
That's right. I don't know why I gotta get so creepy with his voice. Uh, Davy Grant plus two sixty. Um, yeah, you know me. I like I like Pedro Martinez here. I know Davy Grant's upset people. He upset uh, what's it, the Hawaiian kid and outstruck him, knocked him out. But uh, as we've seen, you know that one maybe didn't age the best. And uh, if you look before that, when he fought the Muay Thai guy, because he's fighting another Muay Thai guy, granted a Southpaw Martinez, when he fought Popov, um, Popov was like getting like solid submission threats on him and was like reversing him in scrambles and giving him trouble with takedowns. But that's not good. Because um, Jonathan Martinez already passed the Frankie Science test, if you want to talk about that game, right? He passed that with flying colors, uh, if you remember. I was like, everyone's like, Chaka Martinez? I'm like, trust me. Because he beat Andre Uhl, and that's what was being represented in the line. And I even took it a step further. Now just lay the chalk play inside the distance. It's Frankie Signs. You sure? That's right. I saw the sign. <laughs> what was a shout out to uh, there, the uh, my man Braz Chuck there? I think that was his, his his nickname. But yeah, like he passed that test. That says a lot to me, right? So I think he can do, pass it again here with Davy Grant as he's gotten better. His confidence is at all time high. Um, training with or coming off a win over uh, uh, Tomas Almeida, and his main training partner was um, a 155er and Alexander Hernandez, who came right back from his fight to uh, work with him. So if you just got that guy shooting in on him and trying to switch stance and pressure against the cage, he's like a more giant Davy Grant. So. Um, yeah, I like Martinez here, and I paired him with Darren Stewart for plus 104. That's my parlay. We'll see. Uh, Nasrak Hack Paras this week on Hack. In order to reach these kids, Hack will have to become a minus 400 favorite. Over Hafa Garcia, plus 325. I believe this Hafa Garcia guy is undefeated, but I don't know. Who the fuck he fought? Um, so I'm going to go with Hack Press. This fight was last minute. He opened super high. Unless you're putting him in a stupid parlay, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't even know if you want to give him the finish. Yeah, but, um, this guy is coming off of winning over Humberto Bendenay, who is a southpaw, but he is arguably was the worst featherweight until he got cut. So I don't know how much weight you want to put into that and then uh, Estevan Payan take a shot if a uh, fighter who entering in the UFC has an Estevan Payan victory on their record because that shit's always going to happen um yeah I'll take hack breast um on the avoid list because I didn't do any research is Gloria DePaula minus 185 Jinyu Frey plus 160 uh, Frey's always kind of been overrated and fighting above her weight class and all it came off more like an on an Instagram model more than the fighter thing. Uh, and her, she, even though she can be athletic and overpower girls that way, um, striking it out seems to be how she does things. And against a girl comes from Shootbox, who actually did some kickboxing in DePaula. That's her background and base. I don't like that, so I will go with DePaula. Uh, lastly, but not leastly, um, part of the uh, Fantasy Jewish Fight League, Semmelsberger. Um, he rolls on Shabbos because apparently he does. I mean, maybe that's why the Fantasy Jewish Fight League doesn't do well because they fight on Saturdays. That that explains it, Aaron. That that explains it. The fuck? How did we miss this? It? It right, right under, right under our eyes. Um, 
Semmelsberger. He actually, this guy actually, so he's a football player. They talk about that a lot. Um, super athletic guy. Like he used to fight at like 205. Um, and he used to play football. And like a lot of these bigger guys that cut weight or football guys, you got to watch the gas tank a bit. And that's why things seem to get sketchy the later it goes. But Semmelsberger also uh, wrestled. Uh, he'll put you in a cradle and roll you like a dreidel. Fantasy Jewish fight league. Sorry, Sorry folks. Oh, I'm gonna get canceled. I love it. It's my new favorite thing. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. <laughs> These guys aren't even Jewish, man. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but um, that being said, I actually was more impressed with Jason Witt's wrestling and his shots. He looks like he's the better wrestler, and he's an athletic dude too. Uh, although he didn't play football, uh, I don't think at least not on an AI level like like uh, Samuelsberger uh, did. But um. He is a higher ranking uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt as opposed to uh, Schemmelsberger's uh, blue belt. Um, but again, I mean, dude's not allowed to roll on Shabbos. So, I mean, he, he probably he can't even advance. He can't even get as much mat time. So that's kind of an unfair, <laughs> unfair metric. Jesus, Dan, you really take it. So I watched The Big Lebowski again last night. And I, was like, I don't fucking roll on Shabbos. Sure as shit, don't fucking roll. Sorry. So good. Schomer fucking Shabbos. Schomer Shabbos. Schomer uh, Shabbos. Shabbos Burger. Yes. Jesus, Dan. I just talking about Jason Wood already. Um, but the thing is, um, I I think that um, Jason Witt, it, a lot of it was like learning lesson stuff and maybe even Southpaws because you look, he's a lot, a lot of his losses, at least the notable names were to Southpaws. Sato, I believe like he took that on short notice. Say what you will, Sato can hit. Um, and even though uh, Schemmelsberger's got some counters in him, he doesn't really counter the same way. That being said, he will shift to southpaw. And from older footage, it looks like Schemmelsberger went to southpaw more. So if he does that here, that could benefit him. However, um, if pace and going long is a problem, I don't know about facing a James Krause fighter. As we've seen, James Krause, man, that's the kind of their MO is overpower these guys, takedowns, overload their systems. You know, kind of like that volume meta. Um, I think my, my dude Zane Simon wrote and talked about and wrote an article about about MMA really pushing toward that full throttle. James Krause definitely one of those dudes. Um, so if Jason Witt is in shape again to do that, perform that, then uh, I see him doing that because he's out, yeah. Even Cole Williams, granted, came in overweight. Like that guy's that guy was like I think an NAIA wrestler. Um, so he's a better wrestler than Schemmelsberger and he out wrestled without wrestled them. So, um, I took wit for dog money. He's at minus one Oh five. I'm hoping I can get him for dog money. The other house I'm waiting, but what I did do at the other house in case I don't get him for dog money is I actually sprinkled on him by sub plus 500. It's a pretty decent thing. And I think that's how he's going to get uh Schemmelsberger out of there on, uh, this Saturday. <laughs> Sorry. Oh man. Uh so yeah, I, I played uh I played him for uh my dog there, so I'll recap pick some plays here. How do we do on time? One eleven, not too bad considering like I went forty two minutes in before even getting to the damn breakdown. All right. Uh taking Edwards over Muhammad, taking Sirkinoff over Span. Um <laughs> by the way, uh Bilal Muhammad, he's not gonna have Louis Taylor, put the guns down, yo dog. Duh, put the guns down. I love Louis Taylor. 
But yeah, taking taking Edwards over Muhammad, Serkinov over Span, taking Ige over Tucker, a bit biased there, by the way, taking Hill over Yoder, taking Nikolau over Cape, taking Stewart over Anders, taking JJ Aldridge over Casey, taking Honey everybody over Ray Rodriguez, taking Charles Jordan over Raptor Rojo, taking. Vote for Pedro Martinez over Davey Grant. Taking Hack over Garcia. Taking DePaula over Frey. Taking Witt over this Saturday. Uh, Schemmelsberger uh, over Schemmelsberger. Um, I parlayed Martinez Stewart for plus 104. Took a shot at Witt plus 100 for a unit. Took a shot at little Nicky Nicolau. Uh, plus 110 for a unit. Um, if I play Ige, it'll be biased. If I play Circular off, it'll be because he went down down below minus 115. Uh, waiting for that Yaya subline to creep down maybe more. Took wit by sub a bit by plus 500. Avoid Hill Yoder. Avoid DePaula Frey. Uh, good luck on the rest. Be sure to like and subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Daniel Tom MMA. Subscribe, five-star ratings and reviews to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast. Tag the podcast at the PYM Podcast on all social platforms. Follow, subscribe, like. It helps. I won't spam your feeds. And if you say something nice, I'll give you the old reshare on the stories or the old retweet there, huh? Uh, it really helps out a lot, really, folks, for the free uh, infotainment and analysis. Uh, also, uh, on it, uh, click-throughs and Amazon click-throughs if you want to... Uh, give back and share without any extra costs or you know while you're there on the mixedmartialanalyst.com banners for the on and amazon click through banners if you do want to give it the podcast i won't stop you there's a paypal banner there thank you guys so much uh good luck on your picks and plays and always protect your neck <laughs>